Hey everyone, it's Bobby Sylvester. We're going to be chatting with Dave Richard from CBS Sports here in a minute to get some of his hottest takes on players. But first, I want to remind you all about the Antonio Brown signed jersey giveaway from Pristine Auction that we're doing. If you haven't used Pristine Auction yet, they've got all kinds of great memorabilia for your man cave, wherever you'd put it. They've got signed jerseys, helmets, movie posters, and all kinds of stuff. Check out pristineauction.com to see what they have for you and make sure to tell them that Fantasy Pros sent you. And if you haven't already entered the contest, Contest for the signed Antonio Brown jersey giveaway. Just subscribe and review on iTunes, then take a screenshot and send it to us at mailbag at fantasypros.com before Sunday. That's when the contest ends. All right, on to the show. everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Taglier. Tags, how's it going? It's going, man. It's uh, it's it's nice to be doing the three week now. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's Friday. We're sitting here in front of a computer. We're we have three Chicagoans here, so it, I'm kind of excited in the fact that all three of us are from the state of Illinois. Uh, well, naturally, but or born here, I guess. But uh, not all of us are here anymore. And our guest today is uh, is a good one, so I'm excited. I'm excited as well. I am not a Chicagoan. Don't you say that. I am from St. Louis. I was born in South Dakota. Don't you dare lump me in with those Cubs fans. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, today we're joined by guest Dave Richard of CBSSports.com. I've really been looking forward to this one. We're going to chat about his current rankings in comparison to ECR. That's expert consensus rankings. Hey, Dave, how's it going? What's up, Bobby? What's up, Mike? And uh, don't compare me to those Cubs fans either. I'm a White Sox guy. Good man. I'm with you. I'm right. with him. I'm actually a Sox fan as well. So it, it's uh, we're Southsiders here, and Bobby, you're stuck in St. Louis, so you're kind of out of the conversation. <laughs> That's okay, as long as I'm not a Cubs fan. I don't know if you're a Cardinals fan, Bobby, but Cardinals fans and White Sox fans are kind of like distant cousins. Yeah, you're exactly. I am a big Cardinals fan, so Good. big appreciation okay. for white, my White Sox fan brothers. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. We're all in the same family, and favorite pizza in Chicago. Oh, Lou Malnati's, baby. It is so good. I would live at Lou Malnati's. Yeah, Mike and I have the same place, Giordano's. Yeah, Giordano's, you can't, you can't, you can't touch it. So yeah, good. It's the best. I, I can't resist it every time I'm back home. It's almost like uh, getting... It, Giordano's is like getting the number one pick in your draft and then somebody offering to trade you another first-round pick. And you get two <laughs> first-round picks, and you don't have to give up that much for the other first-round pick. It, it's that good that you can just like kick back and go, all right, I'm this this is gonna be an amazing experience. One once in a lifetime, every time. I'm gonna have to travel up to Chicago and have me some of that. I mean it's only three hours. Like it's totally worth it for that kind of pizza. Oh God. For Giordano's if you so if any listeners out there, if you're ever in Chicago and you've never had Giordano's pizza, do it. Like life changing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 think about it. Just do it. Also they've got locations everywhere, including Orlando and uh Las really? Vegas. Yeah, they're all over the place, Bobby. I, I'm I'm a little surprised they don't have one near you because they're they're expanding so much. But yeah, they're they're out there. They are very good. Interesting. Well, Dave, I'm looking at your rankings here, and one of the guys I've been hyping all preseason. I love him. I, his ADP keeps climbing up. His ECR keeps climbing up. It's Mike Gillisley, but you've got him even higher than ECR right now, all the way up there as one of your top. 15 running backs. Can you tell us about Mike Gillisley and why you love him? Well, it starts with the fact that when it comes to tiering running backs, there's there's kind of a level that I reach with a lot of these guys where I just go, uh, they're not ready to 
get to the next level. And Gillisley keeps climbing up the tier, but he's kind of hitting that wall uh, yeah. where I've got like Crowell, Ajayi, Gurley. Not that those three are necessarily in the exact same tier, but I think I think he's in line. I know what the Patriots running backs coach said this week. I don't believe him. I think he's in line to get that LeGarrette Blunt role. We're talking about a guy who is going to work the goal line. There will be multiple games this year where he will just take over. The Patriots' defense will help him out. And yeah. the, the game flow is just going to lead to him running the football a lot. And he's averaged 5.7 yards per carry the last two seasons. He hasn't really shown it, but he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. And I think he can be the best running back for fantasy and the most consistent one from New England's running back group. So that's why I've got him ranked as high as I do. And he's just he's just he just keeps pushing ahead of all these other guys that I'm I I like I don't love. Like Mark Ingram. We know what the what the worries are with him. Same thing with Marshawn Lynch. Same thing with uh the rookies that aren't named Leonard Fournette, Cook, Mixon, McCaffrey, yeah, Carlos Hyde. All these guys have warts. Gillisley's biggest wart is Bill Belichick, and that's a pretty big wart, I'll admit it. But I still, I, I, I look at the talent and I look at the opportunity and I don't see this being Dion Lewis's job. I don't see this being Rex Burkhead's job. It could be if Burkhead has a great training camp. But I think this is Gillisley's job. I think he was brought in, paid as much as he was paid to do that LeGarrette Blount type role for the Patriots. Yeah, and he's a better version of Blunt as far as I'm concerned. Best, most efficient uh, player on sure. the goal line over the past two seasons, so why not? No, he looks so good, and that's the thing is most people have overlooked. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt had 72 red zone carries last year. There wasn't a single running back outside of him that had more than 59 red zone carries. So it's just it's a it's a massive role, and people forget that the reason that the the Patriots went out and did this. Gillisley was a restricted free agent. He wasn't just a, like available as a as a unrestricted free agent. Like they knew what they were doing. This is a team, you know, Mike Gillisley was a guy that they saw two times per year playing in the same division. So Belichick knows what he's getting with him. Burkhead's a guy who plays more special teams. And for those that are concerned about Mike Gillisley's passing skills, you know, Dave mentioned that he can catch the ball better than, I guess, advertised. But we don't even need him to do that to finish higher than his ADP right now because LeGarrette Blunt last year caught seven passes all year and finished as the number seven running back when this New England offense. So yeah. I, I love the boldness on the, the Gillisley call. Now, another one here that I'm really excited about talking to you about is uh, is this Kansas City Chiefs running back situation. Because I'm looking at your rankings, you've got Kareem Hunt as your number 28 running back. And you've got Spencer Ware number 33. You're a big believer in Hunt, apparently. That 33 is 14 spots lower than the expert consensus. So, do you think Kareem Hunt's going to steal this job in the preseason? I think there's a chance. I really do. I Spencer Ware was very good at the early part of last season, and then injuries might have worn on him, and I think workload might have worn on him, and I think we saw the real Spencer Ware. And when you go back and you look at his year-to-date totals, you say, oh, that's not bad, but it's how he got there that really – it frustrated me as a guy that had to use him on one of my fantasy teams last season. And anytime Andy Reid drafts a running back, I take notice. And this yeah. is an offseason where Andy Reid has gotten rid of Jamal Charles – he has he's talked about Spencer Ware, but he says that he's only he's got a, a place on this team. He doesn't say that he's going to be the the every down back. I look at what Kareem Hunt can do based on his college tape, and I think he I think he's a potential three down back who can work a lot in this Andy Reid West Coast offense. I think he could be a great asset for Alex Smith. I think he can be just a guy that's 
wide open underneath when Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are going to draw coverage deep. And I, th- I think Hunt's playing time will will come come to light faster than a lot of other rookie running backs that are in the class. Let's say that Kareem Hunt takes over as a starting running back here around week five or something, and he proves himself. Like, what's his upside? Where could we be talking about him in drafts for next season? Is he a potential number one pick? Like, is he that kind of player? You know, what's interesting is that's going to go hand in hand with who's starting at quarterback for Kansas City Good point. next year. Because Alex Smith, I think, I think the writing's on the wall. He's a free agent after this year. The Chiefs can let him go without issue, and Patrick Mahomes will be there, and Mahomes has a cannon. I, I think that there's a real opportunity for Hunt to have that role for uh, the lead role I'm talking about for a couple of years. And I, off the top of my head, I don't know Spencer Ware's contract situation and how long the Chiefs have control of him for. But he he might end up being the the backup to Kareem Hunt by week five, like we're talking about now and certainly next season. I would say that there's a chance that Hunt can get you to a thousand total yards, but he might do it in the last... 12 to 10 games of this season. I'm still not expecting him to get that job. You asked me right when we started, can he win the job in the preseason? Absolutely, he could. Andy Reid's trusted his rookies before. But it it might take a few bad games from Spencer Ware before that really kicks in, which is why if if you're spending that round seven, round eight, maybe later if you're lucky, on Kareem Hunt, if you're spending that type of a pick, you're going to have to be patient. You know, another uh, another concussion would do it too. Yeah, that's the thing. So the concussion thing, that's David. What I want to ask you about because where over the last two years, I think that his downslide has been a little bit over exaggerated because he still has totaled 286 carries, 1325 yards, 11 touchdowns. So he's done his job. Now the 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 time where he kind of took a downfall was when he had that concussion. And Dave, as a Chicago guy, I don't know if you heard uh, the interview with Leonard Floyd of our bears. You know, he talked about after he suffered his concussion, he came back in that he was just like a half tick behind. He's like, I went through the motions. I felt like, okay, but something was just a little bit off. And you know, when you're talking about a running back, that little bit off can make the biggest change. And Spencer Ware is a guy that he also had a rib injury at the end of the year. So I'm of the mindset that Spencer Ware, they released Jamal Charles before knowing that they were going to get Kareem Hunt in the draft. So I think that they were ready to move forward with Spencer Ware. And I just think that that concussion may have done more damage than people think because that was kind of the turning point for Spencer Ware in the season last year. It was like against the Colts and I want to say week 10 or week 11. It might have been. You know, you bring up Ware stats at the beginning of what you said, Mike. And I mean, those are amazing numbers. But the thing that turns me off the most about Spencer Ware is that he had four amazing games in 2016, at least 16 fantasy points, and everything else is nine or less, and only one game with nine and only two with eight, so a lot of sevens, a lot of fives, and then there were a couple of duds. I, I'm, I'm with you on the concussion, and every concussion is different for every player. Some players, they have one, and it just it, it impacts them in ways that we just don't know. I've been concussed once in my life. Uh, playing, you know, football with my fraternity in college. And I had to sit out of a couple of practices and I didn't feel right for the next couple of days. I can't imagine how these players can do it. But you can't I, even I, taste food. Yeah, well, I, that, that wasn't a problem for me. I was no. still able to taste food after mine. But, you know, you, some guys go to the hospital with concussions. Each one is different. And so we don't know if, if Spencer Ware was a half tick behind, you know, a full tick behind. Um, All I know is that I think Kareem Hunt is just a little bit better of a player and a little bit more versatile of a player 
to oust Ware from getting his job. The the thing that I'm most concerned about as a guy that's telling people to, to look for Kareem Hunt is that Ware actually does a decent job and so does Hunt. And Andy Reid starts mixing and matching them. And it's not going to be as simple as saying, well, Spencer Ware is going to work first and second down and Kareem Hunt's going to work third down. Instead, it's going to be Ware gets a series, Hunt gets a series. And then you're playing roulette trying to figure out which Chiefs running back is going to be the one that does well for your fantasy team. I think that's what's going to end up happening in Washington. And frankly, it makes me nervous to draft either of the running backs from Washington. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a thing that Andy Reid has usually had that bell cow, but I understand. And honestly, I've, I if I were guaranteed that Spencer Ware was going to start, I'd have him higher than number 18 where I do. And if I was guaranteed that Kareem Hunt was going to start, I'd have him up, up you know, higher probably than 18 than I do. And that's the yeah. thing is I think Andy Reid is a veteran coach. I think we're going to learn a lot in the preseason about this situation. And if Spencer Ware walks in as the clear-cut starter, I think I, I, I keep him right around that 15 to 18 range because there is always that threat that you, they did draft after running back as early as they did with Kareem Hunt. So I, I won't I won't dismiss that for sure. The one other thing that I would add is that when it comes to his running backs, Andy Reid will lie. I stood right next to him at the Pro Bowl <laughs> in January, and I gave him the opportunity to tell us the truth about how he felt about his running backs. I asked him where he was, and he first starts talking about how Jamal Charles is the priority and they're going to get Jamal Charles back in good shape and ready to go. And less than a month later, Jamal Charles was cut. So Andy Reid is probably going to get in front of the media at some point and and speak the virtues of Spencer Ware. Uh, I'm with you, Mike. Seeing is believing, and we might not really know a lot, maybe until that third preseason game, and really maybe not until that kickoff game against the Patriots. Which, P.S., that's not a game I want to start either of these running backs in. Yeah. No, probably not. Now, Bobby, can I ask one of the uh, question real quick in regards to this? I want to talk about a player that you're lower on that I'm I'm really curious because I'm always looking to get information from smart guys such as yourself that differ with my opinions. That's why I appreciate these conversations. But Stefan Diggs, you have him down as your number 49 wide receiver. His ECR is 31. I have him up at number 22 because I, I feel like he should be compared to guys like Jarvis Landry and Golden Tate. I, be, I think he belongs in that conversation. And this is what I was going to ask too. This is great. What detracts you from Stefan Diggs? The thing that bothers me the most about him, this is in standard leagues, not necessarily in PPR. The thing that bothers me just the absolute most about him is that he had four games with 10 plus fantasy points last year, four the year prior, and 15 with five fantasy points or fewer. That's that's two to one in terms of inconsistency. And I don't believe he plays in an offense that will grow to the point where where Diggs is going to get more opportunities. I I, I actually had to double check during the offseason that he had 900 yards receiving because it's so hard to believe. And, and the truth of the matter is that he's a lot like Spencer Ware. Look at his first two games from the beginning of the year. And I loved him last year, over 100 yards in both of those games. He only had one other game with more than 100 yards. And that was over the course of the season. And he had a bunch of games where he had a lot of catches and he averaged six, seven yards per catch. Very disappointing. And so in a PPR league, I get it with Stephon Diggs. I think he's fine as a number three receiver in those formats. But in a standard league, I don't see that grand upside with him. I don't see him morphing into this heavy touchdown type of wideout in an offense that is going to try and get back to its ground roots and is captained by Sam Bradford. I consider him to be the same type of player as Cameron Meredith, and Quincy Nunwa, and I, I like Quincy Nunwa and Cameron Meredith 
because of their draft value. Now, Stephon Diggs, I'm probably not going to get him in many leagues. I'd probably take him right there around the number 30, 35 wide receiver. Um, but Tags, why don't you go ahead and make the counter argument here? Well, yeah, I mean, Stefan Diggs, like, I can't really disagree with the fact that he's worth more in PPR, especially with the way that they kind of pigeonholed him in the slot last year as the offense, you know, kind of when Norv Turner left and Pat Shermer took over, the offense changed a lot, and Stefan Diggs started running a lot more of his routes out of the slot. Now, that's an issue in terms of his pure upside, because his yards per route run inside the slot, I want to say it was 1.78 under Shermer, but his perimeter route yards per route run was 2.4 yards and that's obviously a huge thing now Corderell Patterson leaving 70 targets opening up there is Kyle Rudolph going to lead the league in targets again at the tight end position I don't think so is Adam Thielen real you know there was obviously some chemistry between Sam Bradford and Stefan Diggs in their first year hooking up for 75 percent catch rate on 112 targets which is you know that's kind of absurd there was Cole Beasley Michael Thomas and Doug Baldwin were the only ones who caught a higher percentage, you know, while seeing a significant amount of targets. So, you know, it's definitely a good argument, but I, I, I don't know if we've seen all of Stefan Diggs and what he has to offer because, you know, when watching him in terms of his route running ability, he's fantastic. And I know Matt Harmon uh, from NFL.com has, has done some reception perception work on Stefan Diggs and saying that he should not be stuck in the slot. He's bigger and better than that. And, you know, his numbers really changed when he was off the injury report last year and when he was on. He missed some snaps. He missed parts of games. And again, I can see exactly why there's a differing opinion. If he's stuck in the slot, I think that he belongs in the conversation with guys like Jarvis Landry and Golden Tate. But if, in fact, they start moving him around and using him more on the perimeter, I think his ceiling is much higher. Now, Tags and, uh, and Dave disagree on Stephon Diggs, but I'm also looking at his other wide receiver rankings. And it's, uh, it's interesting, all the parallels here. John Brown, Quincy Nunwa, you know, Devontae Adams, he's quite a bit higher on as well. So lots of agreement between Dave and Tags. But I will point out that Dave is with me on Amari Cooper. Um, and I'm going to hurry up and move on before Tags can respond to that. And I want to ask you about Jimmy Graham. You've got him as the number four tight end this year. Um, now, we haven't really talked about Jimmy Graham. Like every year, there's someone who just kind of slips through the cracks and we don't discuss him that much. So I'm curious to hear why you like Graham so much this year. Jimmy Graham told me, again, referencing my time at the Pro Bowl, I actually spent a little time with him there, more than, you know, just the token interview, about how his rehab process went and how he rushed it a little bit last year. And you can kind of tell in those first two games, he, he really wasn't himself. He said he had to learn how to, how to walk and run all over again. It, it's really incredible what he went through to get back to this point. And he, I thought he really got into his groove right around that week nine game. I think it was against Buffalo. He went off. Big, like 20 plus fancy points. And I think he had three or four more games with at least 10 points after that. And I see, I see the I see the upside again for Graham. He's entering a contract here, has the chance to get that second deal. I think he can get it. I think the Seattle run game is a gigantic question mark as badly as Pete Carroll would love to have it back. Putting it in Eddie Lacy's hands really doesn't scream confidence uh, to me. I don't. I, I think it's going to mean Russell Wilson throwing again. He'll be healthier this year. The line should be improved enough to help him at least drop back and throw some passes. And I think Graham is going to be that weapon in the middle of the field and certainly down the field. I also went back and watched a lot of his his red zone targets uh, where he didn't make the catch, and a lot of them were passes just bouncing off his hands, which, you know, isn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, the thing that seemed to happen the most with Jimmy Graham last year was he would make the catch and a defender would rip the ball from his hands. 
he really could have ended up with nine touchdowns last year. He really could have had a much bigger year than he did. I think he's worked on that this offseason, and I think you're going to see Jimmy Graham ascend to being a top-five fantasy tight end again. So I'm, I'm doing this with Graham. I'm doing this with Tyler Eifert, and I'm doing it with Hunter Henry. I'm swinging for the fences when it comes to tight ends. I want guys on my team who have that upside at the position. I'm a firm believer that if I swing and miss with a tight end, I can go to the waiver wire and find a guy every week. All I really need from a tight end is seven fantasy points, for crying out loud. The average of of the top 12 tight ends in fantasy last year were 6.6 fantasy points per game in a standard league. That's pathetic, but that's what made a good tight end in 2016. So if I get seven points from my fantasy tight end, it's not great. No one's going to throw me a party for it. But at the very least, I'll be able to say, well, that's average. That's what the top 12 tight ends get. So worst case scenario, I'm going for that guy every week. Best case scenario, I've got a red zone threat week in and week out. Doesn't matter the opponent who could be dominant for my fantasy team. That's why I've got him where I have him. I love it. You convinced me on Jimmy Graham big time. I just moved him up in my rankings. How about you, Tags? What do you think about this? So I own Jimmy Graham in a few MFL 10s, and I play in a lot of them. So here's here's my question, Dave. Like, my concern, I guess, a little bit to air this out. So Jimmy Graham, you mentioned it. The Buffalo game was kind of like the turning point where things changed. So he had three 100-yard games before Week 10. And then Week week 10 through Week 17, he didn't top 67 yards. And it's weird because it coincided with when Russell Wilson started to play better. I I mentioned uh, on another podcast that from weeks nine through 17, Russell Wilson was the number four fantasy quarterback. He got healthy. He got better. And it also coincided with Tyler Lockett getting back in the lineup. I don't know if Tyler Lockett's going to return to being the same player again. His his injury could be career ending for a guy that relies on speed and agility as much as he does. I love Jimmy Graham, the player. I just I'm a little concerned about the Seahawks offense and how they spread it around so much. But, you know, as Dave mentioned, talking about the tight end position, if you're going to swing, Jimmy Graham is he's a player that we can bet on his skill. And that's that's a rare thing to come across at the tight end position. So I don't have any issue with it. I guess that's just my only concern. If you get old Jimmy Graham back, he could be number one tight end. Yeah, I don't know if he'll get to be number one, not in a world where Gronk and Kelsey are, are going to do their things. He could get to three because Jordan Reed already dealing with an injury. You don't know what how healthy he'll be over the course of the season. And I don't particularly think that Jimmy Graham is injury prone. I just think that he suffered a really catastrophic injury and worked his tail off to come back from it. I think the Seahawks knew it. And I think that's why they kind of took care of him in the early part of last year. And I think that they're going to let him roll without hesitation this year. If you're looking for a safe tight end, then Greg Olson's your guy. Then Zach Ertz is your guy. Kelsey is your guy. Uh, There might be, you know, I don't even know if Delaney Walker is even that good to say he's a safe guy. But when it comes to, to, like I said, Graham is a guy who I think has the potential to finish in the top five. I'm taking him really over Greg Olson. That, that's that's the decision that I'm making because I don't want safe. I want superstar. Wow. Well, Dave, this was really great stuff. We really appreciate you coming on, talking some pizza and some football with us. It's my pleasure, guys. Uh, we're all excited that football is back. It's it's fun to be on social media and see all the videos and quotes and everything that's coming out from all the training camps around the league. And just think, we're so excited for the preseason to get here. And a month from now, we can't wait for the preseason to be done because it means the regular season's here and our fantasy leagues kick off. Yes. yes. Yeah, baby. That's, that's what we're all waiting for. And Dave, if you're ever back up in Chicago, I'll treat you to some Giordano's. That sounds great. That's a deal, Mike. All right. <laughs> all right. And if you guys want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Dave Richard. 
Before we move on over to the next segment with Just Tags and I breaking down our quarterback rankings, I want to tell you all about this championship belt our league started using last season. I heard about it, and when this bad boy showed up to our postseason party, I just couldn't believe how beautiful and quality the thing was. I'm trying so much harder this season just to make sure I'm the one wearing it next year. We got it from FantasyJocks.com, and you can all get one to legitimize your league, too, at FantasyJocks.com. Fantasy Jocks also sells trophies, championship rings, and some great draft boards to boost your live draft experience. I love their website. You will, too, so please check them out, FantasyJocks.com. Oh, by the way, since the signed Antonio Brown jersey giveaway ends Sunday... We're going to be giving out a Fantasy Jocks championship belt for our next giveaway. So make sure to get those reviews in to mailbag at fantasypros.com. All right, Tag. So I forgot to mention this actually two episodes ago, but we passed episode number 100. This is episode number 102. So go us. And you know what? We actually had our first troll. And usually, you know, they say don't feed the troll. Um, But this one was just so funny. Like, I have to give props to this person. It was hilarious. (laughs) I feel like we should read it and like have like uh, some sort of soap opera music playing in the background because it, <laughs> it, it, it's the most incredible thing. I, I, I was laying in bed last night when uh, our Slack chat started going kind of nuts and everybody was saying that, Mike, you need to check out the love letter someone wrote to you. And it was basically going through and talking about my love for John Brown and saying that Bobby and I are a parody of Sex in the City. I've never seen that show, Bobby, and I know we talked about this in the chat a little bit. You haven't seen it either, correct? I've never seen it, no. Yes, I, it, it was a little weird. I don't really know what to say about it. I, I guess some people would say it was creepy, but, uh, you know, the the Lister Fiend or whatever your name is, uh, we did receive that, and it was rather creepy. So <laughs> thanks for your submission. Uh, we're always here to help. It, it was top notch. I just laughed so hard throughout the whole thing, especially because it wasn't directed at me. But the best part about it was um, talking about how... They don't understand how John Brown is still in the NFL because, you know, John Brown, the abolitionist. I don't know. I'm a history guy. So that just made me laugh really hard. But anyways, that was uh, quality stuff. And uh, what a way to celebrate number 100, right? Yeah, it was for sure. And I, I didn't know it was the 100th episode until afterwards. So it, it's it's kudos to you, Bobby, for, for kind of going through in the entire ride of this. I know that I haven't been on for all 100 episodes. It's just been, I think, I don't know, what are we, what are we up to, 30 or 40 episodes between you and I? So we're building on that. And I, I, I anticipate this going on for hundreds and hundreds more. So congratulations to you, Bobby, for hosting the 100th show uh, well, about two shows ago. And seriously, thank you for the listeners for making this happen. I mean, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't really have a job, right? So you guys. Uh, you guys are the best. All the reviews we've got, just amazing. And hopefully we can give you some quality content that helps you win your fantasy championship leagues. Tags, we'll start today. We're going to start doing a position by position breakdown when we have these segments by ourselves. And we've got quarterbacks today. We're starting with quarterbacks and we're going to be comparing our rankings to ECR. For those of you guys listening at home who don't know what that means, ECR is expert consensus ranking. So we've got 140 experts from all around the industry, Yahoo, CBS Sports, all these guys, and they come together and they give us our rankings. And so we can look at it and see the experts as a whole think that Andrew Luck is the number four quarterback. And so Tags and I are going to talk about our rankings in light of what the expert consensus thinks. So Tags, tell the listeners where you vary on some of these quarterbacks. 
So there's a lot of different quarterbacks, right? So coming into the show today, I, I'm happy to do this show. And the reason I am is because, you know, every single show we have some sort of topic that we talk about. Like yesterday, it was rounds three and four, and we touched on those players. So that was nice to be able to talk about some players that we haven't talked about for a majority of the offseason. So doing these position-by-position breakdowns, we're going to be able to talk about a bunch of players that we haven't necessarily talked about, Bobby. So what I, I think what I want to do is kind of go through the tiers of quarterback, and, and let's pick out which ones you'd want, right? Because, you know, we have the clear cut Aaron Rodgers you know as the number one I think he's his he, own tier right there's no way anyone else is number one correct it's gotta be him in his own tier you know I was looking at this before the show and it's like you know with Aaron Rodgers how good he was last year so to give you an idea he was uh, a top five quarterback 43.8 percent of the time which is just phenomenal he scored more than 26 fantasy points 43.8 percent of the time so Aaron Rodgers and he did that while Randall Cobb was banged up Devontae Adams was dropping touchdowns left and right they didn't really have a run game they've added Martellus Bennett to this offense you know they've Ty Montgomery is going to have a bigger role in the offense what what can we really expect from Aaron Rodgers this year Bobby I mean what's the highest that you would consider taking someone like Aaron Rodgers Well, I mean, it's dependent on who I'm drafting with, what my league settings are. You know, of course, if you guys are listening and you've got a uh, a six-point passing touchdown league, Aaron Rodgers gets bumped up, you know, six, eight spots in your draft. If you're in a super flex league or a two-quarterback league, Aaron Rodgers is the top five pick overall. Um, Now, with that being said, standard leagues, which is what most of our listeners have, 10, 12-team leagues, uh, you know, you've got your standard scoring and everything. Aaron Rodgers right now is going around pick 20. I'm not taking him that high. With that being said, I love value-based drafting. You can find that on profootballreference.com. VBD is what I'll refer to it as. Aaron Rodgers was number four overall last year with 114 more fantasy points than a replacement-level quarterback. Every season he's healthy, he's a first-round value pick. So, um, you know, I'm willing to take Aaron Rodgers at the start of the third round, maybe late second, and I know I am in the minority for experts, but... You know, Aaron Rodgers is always a top 10 player in fantasy when he's healthy. So I made the case, you know, I wrote an article earlier this offseason. Is it okay to draft a quarterback early? And while I'm usually one that waits, you know, I wanted to talk about specifically Aaron Rodgers and what you get versus, you know, some players that are drafted around his range. I made the case to draft him, you know, that mid, late third round, early fourth, and I'm okay with it there. But my question to you, Bobby, so we play in a bunch of different analyst leagues and things like that. And that's what I'm talking about late third, early fourth. What about... If you're in a league, and I know a lot of the listeners out there are like this, okay? So let's say you're in a league, and every single time you draft with your home league, you end up with a team where you're like, wow, I got guys on my bench that I want to start, and I don't even know who to start. My team is that good. If you really have that much confidence going into your draft that you're able to get the players you want, is it okay to take Aaron Rodgers in the second round? I still say no. And uh, the reason I say no is because people are going to panic six, ten weeks into the season when their second starting running back is hurt, and you've got six of them, and you just trade three of them for Aaron Rodgers. Like, do what you have to do. Take advantage of your league mates if if that's what it takes to win your fantasy championship. And if you draft for depth, if you make the right decisions in your draft and you get whatever falls to you, you're going to be able to make trades with your league mates. You've already outsmarted them in the draft. You'll be able to outsmart them in trades. I'm not reaching for Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm on board with that. I just wanted to bring up that question because last year in one of my own personal leagues, it was a three-man keeper, and I took Andrew Luck in the third round, I want to say it was. So it was basically like the sixth round. And I did that because I loved my team that much, and I knew that I could take that chance. It's a great value. I ended up winning the league with Andrew Luck as my quarterback, but I almost never have one of those top-tier guys. It's fun. I I will say that. It's fun to own one of those guys because they can, you know, single-handedly win you a week sometimes. But, uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I think you and I are in agreement where it's like once you get outside – you know, that top 30, that 38 to 42 range, that's the range where I'm starting to feel okay with Aaron Rodgers yeah. coming off the board. You know, and usually there's like a top tier of four quarterbacks or something that I would say, if you're going to get a quarterback early, you better get one of these four guys. This year, I've said it before, you you might as well get either uh, Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees. I'm starting to think it's if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, just wait. Just wait. Because there's so much of a difference between Aaron Rodgers and the trust you can have in a Drew Brees who's, you know, ancient and doesn't throw that many passes and Drew Brees who's ancient and, uh, you know, Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck who have had injury issues and Russell Wilson's not running anymore. It's the Aaron Rodgers show and I'm not interested in anybody else. Now, before you respond, Tags, I want to tell the listeners about our other sponsor, rtsports.com. So Tags and I have been playing these best ball leagues as we gear up for our season-long redraft leagues. I just can't get enough of them. If you haven't played best ball, the best place to try it out is rtsports.com slash pros. You draft your team, then don't touch your roster the rest of the season. So it doesn't require the time commitment during the season, but you get all the enjoyment. RT Sports does a lot of things really well, including best ball leagues. They have so many things to offer, including award-winning commissioner services. Join me and play some best ball leagues this summer at rtsports.com slash pros. And please make sure to put the pros so they know we sent you. All right, so like I was saying, I'm just not that interested in anyone else but Rodgers in this range. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. Uh, I really do. And you know what? We talked about it, I think it was yesterday, or when we were talking about Tom Brady and where he's being drafted. I was going through back through some historical data for some research on an article I'm doing, and I, and I came across the fact Tom Brady was the number 11 quarterback in terms of points per game yes, in, he two, was. In, in 2014. So in terms of points per game, 11th quarterback, and now all of a sudden he's just automatically placed in the third round. I think it's I, I think that's one where I've come around where I think it's kind of ludicrous to consider Tom Brady there. I, I don't I've think got him as my number four quarterback, even with all the injury risk to Andrew Luck. I mean, he might not even play a snap in the preseason. I've still got Andrew Luck above Tom Brady because he's just not the same quarterback he once was. I, I know he's had a great season in terms of efficiency and didn't throw interceptions or whatever, but they just don't throw enough for me to be excited about him as a, a fantasy savior or anything like that. Yeah, that's the tough part is they do have an easy schedule. That was one thing I've, I've I tried to look at to help me separate guys like Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, you know, Drew Brees is in that conversation. I mean, adding Brandon Cooks definitely helps. The fact that they've added Mike Gillisley, who is a, a improved version of LeGarrette Blunt, uh, added Rex Burkhead, who is probably also better than LeGarrette Blunt. You know, there's things around. And then, but Aaron Rodgers at the same time, he threw a career high in pass attempts last year. He had, I want to say it was 40 attempts more than he's had in any other season. So that may have had to do something with the bad defense it may have had to do with the fact that they had no running game so you may see some regression from Aaron Rodgers and you know Aaron Rodgers has never been the player who has held himself back or his fantasy numbers back it's always been Mike McCarthy not willing to let him throw 600 times per year so and maybe they changed their mind after what he did last year with so many passes here's the thing even if he takes a step backward he goes from number four VBD to what number 15 
Right. I mean, that's still a great value. Oh, for sure. And that's that's why I say in the late third, early fourth range, because you're looking at players that may not be locks to produce for you. So that's why I'm OK in that range. But uh, yeah, I think but I think it's clear Aaron Rodgers tier of his own. But that next tier, would you put Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson? Anybody else you'd put in that tier? I Russell Wilson's not in the tier for me. I've got Drew Brees and then Andrew Luck and then Tom Brady. And uh, I wouldn't take any of them within 25 picks of Aaron Rodgers. And then Russell Wilson's another 15, 20 picks back. Wow. Now, does it change your mind if I tell you that Russell Wilson, after playing the start of last year, hurt? And honestly, if you go back through Russell Wilson's game logs every single year, it seems like he gets off to a somewhat slow start. Uh, But from week nine through week 17 last year, Bobby, he finished as the number four quarterback. That's not going to hurt my opinion of him. (laughs) Not at all. That's a good stat. Yeah, and that's where I'm at with him is that he finishes a, a top three quarterback the two prior years. Getting hurt, obviously, you know, cut his production down. We saw his rushing totals come down because of it. Uh, and again, I, I don't know if they have a good enough running back to steal fantasy points from Russell Wilson. I don't know if Eddie Lacy's going to be able to produce behind that offensive line. Here's the thing about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks is every single year with or without the injury, They always start slow. He always starts slow and everyone says, well, what's wrong with Russell Wilson? You know what? You can go out and trade for Russell Wilson in the fourth week for somebody that you probably get in the ninth or 10th round that just started hot and you don't think is going to keep it up because this fantasy owner is going to be panicking saying, why is Russell Wilson doing bad? Well, it's because he does it every single season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is if you know you're in an active league and you know you're able to trade, you would do some things in your draft that you wouldn't normally do. Uh, I tend to just try and build as much depth as possible. And as you know, once I know my team is in the playoffs, I start to build around the playoffs and I look at their playoff schedules and those those things do matter. And I think that's where a lot of people get screwed up because they're like, you know, as long as I get into the playoffs, anything can happen in the playoffs. Well, I'm going to not only put myself in a position to get in the playoffs, but I'm going to put myself in a position to do extremely well in the playoffs. So, yeah. But I mean, I'm going to pick up my defense six weeks early that's playing the Rams in week 16. <laughs> that's not a bad idea if you have deep rosters. I mean, it just depends on league settings and all that. That's why I prefer the much deeper rosters. Like the deeper you can make your league. And I think that's an undervalued point is if you're listening now and you're in a league where it's like, you know, Mike, I feel like I'm the most talented, but it always comes down to a freak injury or this or that. Make your league bigger. And I don't mean necessarily it rewards just, the best players. Yes. And I don't mean just extend your bench spots. I mean, start one quarterback at two if you want to, and then start three running backs, four or five receivers, two flex, yes. a tight end. And that will that will help you make separate skill and luck because it, it's going to it almost makes the and sample take out size kickers. bigger. Yes, you remove kickers. That's yeah. that, that's been done for I think three years. I know Jake Seeley uh, likes to say that he invented that, but uh, no, for for real though, <laughs> you, you should uh, you should not be playing with kickers in your fantasy leagues. Uh, it's just another variance of luck. So, um, but Bobby, I think everybody is is pretty similar in that top tier. But it's once we get outside those top five quarterbacks, that's everything th- changes. It does, and I want to know. I mean, you've got the number sixteen quarterback up at number seven in terms of ECR. I'm with you. I've got him in my top ten too. Why don't you tell the listeners about that guy? Okay, so that's Tyrod Taylor. You know, we've been talking about that, and I really have no idea why, you know, not not just the public, and I, I guess I understand because Tyrod Taylor's not a flashy name. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. But 
at the same time, I don't know why the analysts are low on him too because his- they're worried because the Bills thought about cutting him, or at least there were rumors that the Bills thought about cutting him. But he's a great fantasy player; he just is. But that was that was the old regime. They, they've lost that head coach. They've You're lost right. that GM. So I, I just don't understand it. Maybe that's why they were fired because they're you know they didn't re- resign Sammy Watkins. They let his contract go up, so now he's a free agent at the end of the year. They you know they benched Tyrod Taylor. I don't understand what was going on in Buffalo, and I don't know if that's changed. But at the same time, if you tell me that Tyrod Taylor is a starting quarterback with Sammy, a healthy Sammy Watkins, I really have no idea. You know, people talk about, well, if he loses Watkins, he's not going to be very valuable. That's not true, because I went through and looked at Tyrod Taylor's numbers with and without Sammy Watkins, and he only averages one point per game less without Sammy Watkins. So it just shows you the floor of someone like Tyrod Taylor because yes. of his legs. And and he, every single week, too. It's not like he's going to be, you know, up and down. He's never, never going to hurt you. And we never... You know, like the thing is, you may not get the the 35 point weeks that you'd get out of Aaron Rodgers. You might not get that, but you're going to have a ridiculously high floor that you could rely on. There were just two games. I want to say two games last year where Tyrod Taylor scored fewer than 14 fantasy points. He's finished as the number seven fantasy quarterback in each of the last two years in a point per game basis. So I'd. I really just don't get it. They, they've improved the team around them. They're going to throw a little bit more without Rex Ryan. Is there a case that you could make against Tyrod Taylor? No, not whatsoever, especially where he's going ADP number 16 for quarterbacks. I mean, if you just wait and take him as the number 11 or 12 quarterback, you're still getting a great value. Mm-hmm. You, you really can't overdraft this guy. I don't get it. And that's the thing is you can get him so cheap. And people to ask me that they're like, well, Mike, do I reach for him? Do I draft him as the seventh quarterback off the board? And that's the thing is you have to know your league. Oh, well, not that high. You, you know, yeah, right. You never. So it's like if you know a car can be bought for a certain price and you want to make sure nobody else gets it, you want to go a little bit early, but you also you want to be smart about it. Right. So do you need to take him as a seventh quarterback off the board? No. But if his ECR is, you know, the 16th player or the 16th quarterback, even if you go up to number 12, number 11, you, you're guaranteeing to get him and you're getting him at a discount from where I would draft him you know the thing is I feel the same way about several players I like Tyrod Taylor a lot not quite as much as you but I feel the same way about Matthew Stafford and Philip Rivers and Andy Dalton and Tyrod Taylor so what I just say is wait until you think that it's the final round that one of them is going to be available and take whoever's left of that bunch now what I want to say is Cam Newton is going number nine for quarterbacks and I understand he was the number one fantasy quarterback two years ago But he had one of the worst passing seasons we've seen since Tim Tebow last year. And a lot of people don't realize that. The only reason he was the number one quarterback two years ago is because his touchdown rate doubled from the previous year. And then it went right back to half of what it was that year last year. And he wasn't a QB1 last year. He's not going to be again. What I am telling our listeners is just switch your minds on what you think of Cam Newton and Tyrod Taylor because they're the complete reverse. Yes, and that's the thing is I have I want to know the case for Cam Newton to be taken over Tyrod Taylor. I've yet to have someone explain to me logically why that is taking place. I, I really I think, I, we've had what 15, 20 experts on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard a single one say they like Cam Newton better than Tyrod Taylor. I agree, but somehow the expert consensus is still high, and that's the part that I'm. Well, con- we're having the best experts on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, his, <laughs> his consensus ranking is number nine. He's being drafted as the number I think seven quarterback, which is just nuts. But Bobby, one player, have you changed? your mind on this is a player I have as the offseason's gone on Ben Roethlisberger okay we've talked about the home road splits we know that that's a thing but here's something for you since 2014 in games with Martavis Bryant Ben Roethlisberger 
337 yards per game, 2.1 touchdowns, 25.5 fantasy points. In games without Martavis Bryant, 275 passing yards, 1.78 touchdowns, and 21.5 fantasy points. So it may have something to do with not just home and road splits, but missing Martavis Bryant. You know, I've, uh, I I saw you post that tweet and I drooled all over my desk when I saw it because it's just a beautiful thing. You know, I've come full circle on Ben Roethlisberger this summer. At first I was like, man, the hate on Ben Roethlisberger is just a little bit too much. I'm going to keep him right there around 11, 12. And then I dropped him all the way down to 18 because you know what? He hasn't been a top 17 quarterback over the past two seasons, past four seasons. It's been a long time since Ben Roethlisberger was a top 17 quarterback. And it's because he gets hurt a lot, but if he stays healthy, he could be talking about a top five quarterback. I mean, he's got all these killer weapons if Le'Veon Bell stops his holdout. But, you know, I comes full circle. He's right back there at number 11, right where the rest of the experts have him. Yeah, no, he finishes. Uh, so on, in terms of points per game, he does always tend to miss games. And that's just part of it with Ben Roethlisberger. You're going to have to kind of live with. Uh, but in 2016, he finishes the number eight fantasy quarterback in points per game. 2014, uh, that's when Martavis first came onto the field. He finishes the number five fantasy quarterback in terms of points per game so it'll be interesting because we've never really seen a healthy Martavis a healthy Antonio Brown a healthy Le'Veon Bell on the field at the same time adding in like Eli Rogers who's a better role player than someone like Sammy Coates or Darius Hayward Bay Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was drafted you know I'm excited to watch this offense and I mean I don't know if it'll turn into what we've all expected it to Uh, Roethlisberger news came out earlier today that you know he's talking about it he's still thinking about retirement and that's never good to hear from your starting quarterback you know while he's playing the game like yeah how does that feel when you're one of his pass catchers and he's already thinking about retirement it's not good it's not good now here's a player that I've gone the opposite way with it is Derek Carr I started off with him as my number eight quarterback now I've got him all the way down at number 16 I just don't see it happening. Yep, I, uh, I. That's one of the head scratchers too. He's one of the guys that I had on Do my list. Do we agree on everything with quarterbacks? Like, we need to find something trendy to disagree on. Here. Um, I have Dak Prescott at number nine. That's very different than the expert consensus. Same exact. Really, this is wow. not good. I have. I love Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is my number six quarterback. That's a difference. We have a difference there. Okay, there we um, go. Yeah, we'll argue about that in a second. But first, talk on Derek Carr. So Derek Carr is someone that I, I when I first saw the ranks, you know, like when people started posting ranks this this off season, I saw Derek. Carr and I was like okay I guess people could see him you know escalating to a top 10 quarterback I could see that I guess and then I went and I did the projections and I looked a lot closer at Derek Carr and his production from last year so outside of one game against Tampa Bay where he threw the ball it was I think 56 times he scored 36 fantasy points in his other 14 games Derek Carr was extremely mediocre he uh he totaled yes he was just 16 points per game in all those other games which would have ranked 17th among quarterbacks uh his schedule is really tough this year in with the AFC West you know we know that and they're going to be playing the the NFC East it's just a and really is he healthy he, well healthy I'm going to assume that he is healthy, but they also added Marshawn Lynch. And despite how good Latavius Murray was in the goal line last year, they're going to look for more reasons to run the ball on the goal line. So, I mean, when, when I started going through the numbers and the projections, this Raiders offensive line is built to run the ball. Their defense is yep. getting better and better, which means less and less pass attempts. So yep. for me, it, it's trouble. It's troubling for me because Derek Carr was extremely efficient last year and he still wasn't that good. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, maybe he is getting better. He's a gunslinger. We probably haven't seen the best of him, but his ADP right now is quarterback number six ahead of Russell Wilson. That's nuts. I'm not buying that at all. I, I don't get ACR, it. ACR, he's number 12. He's twice as high, according to the experts, as what the public consensus thinks about him. So uh, that should tell you a lot. Yeah, definitely. I know Jake Seeley, uh, him and I were talking about Derek Carr not too long ago, and I think he has Derek Carr as his number 18 quarterback, and him and I just talked about it, and the fact that we just don't understand the love for him as a top 12 quarterback after going through and looking at everything a bit closer, but Kirk Cousins, you know, make your case to me with Kirk Cousins, because my issue here with him is that he's lost all the continuity that he's had on the offense. You know, he lost Terrell, or he lost, uh, you know, Pierre Garçon. He lost Deshaun Jackson. It seems like Jordan Reed's already already hurt. Yeah. It's a whole new team, you know, that that's kind of surrounding him. Do you think he just walks in and, and returns the same quarterback he's been over the last two years? Maybe better. My Kirk Cousins just keeps getting better and better. He's been the most accurate passer in the NFL over the past two seasons. He was the quarterback number six last season with 4,900 passing yards. I know we lost some weapons, but come on, man. I mean, Terrell Pryor's joining, and we know he's uh, he's super athletic as well. You watch Kirk Cousins play, and I know people say he doesn't have a big arm, and he's not that fast. He's limited by by his athleticism. Go back and watch the tape. This guy has a superstar arm. He really does. He's not like Joe Flacco. He can't sit on his knees, but he makes all the passes he needs to down the field. He's a lot faster than people give him credit for, and he's a pretty good decision maker. I, I know every once in a while he uh, has a head scratcher, but he's getting better and better every year. I'm not going to be surprised if he throws for 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns and is a top four quarterback. I guess I wouldn't be shocked because, you know, because we, we, we talk about the players that he has at his disposable, his disposal now with Terrell Pryor taking the second year leap at the position, you know, Josh Stockson, I think he's somebody that a lot of people have forgotten about. He was last year's first round pick who yeah, had some major production over his last two years in college. Uh, Josh Doxson, there was, there was big things expected out of him. I like Jamison Crowder. So, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons to like him. And, and another Chris Thompson, another point to your point, Bobby, is that I will give you something on Kirk Cousins. So since 2014, here is the list of quarterbacks who have thrown for more yards per attempt than Kirk Cousins, Ben Roethlisberger and Matt Ryan. That's it. That is it. You know, and th- those two guys have uh, someone named Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Yeah, and he has had Deshaun Jackson. And Cousins who is, is the most accurate. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, he has been very accurate. So that's the thing is, I didn't think I was that low on him having him at number 12, but the ECR on him is number seven. So it's something that maybe yeah. I need to revisit because I would take Dak Prescott over him. I just think that Dak's a little more consistent. But, you know, who do you put him over, though? We're talking about Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston in that territory. You know, Both you, of them. I've got Mariota and Winston outside my top 12, actually. You do. So why don't you like Mariota? Yeah. Uh, the reason I don't like Mariota, I mean, I love his weapons, right? You, they had Corey Davis. Every time that a wide receiver has been drafted in the top five, he's been a superstar. Not a superstar, but he's been real good right from the get-go. They had Eric Decker, a great red zone weapon, but... This is a running offense. They've got maybe the best running offensive line, run-blocking offensive line in the game. Uh, Mariota had that incredible stretch where he was the number one fantasy player for eight weeks, but you go back and look at that. It was weak matchups. He was playing in great weather every single time. He was in, you know, shootouts. I just think that we got a little overexcited about Marcus Mariota. I think he still has some more growing pains, and his rushing is getting trimmed down because they want him to be a franchise quarterback. It's going to kind of be like we've seen with Cam Newton and Russell Wilson, where they don't really have the green light to just go scramble for 500 yards and six rushing touchdowns anymore. 
Yeah, that's the difficult part, man, is just, you know, I'm looking at this part of the rankings. I just pulled up my projections so I can see the difference and how close I was to maybe having Kirk Cousins up at number nine or something like that. And it's funny, between Dak Prescott and all the way down to my number 17 quarterback, which is Phillip Rivers in my projections, they're like eight, nine points apart. So I, I, yeah, I guess you yeah. can definitely make the case. We're kind of nitpicking here. Yes. And I think that's where it comes down to. If, if you wait and you miss out on some of those top tier guys, you know, pair Tyrod Taylor with someone like Andy Dalton or, you know, it, I guess Kirk Cousins, if you wanted to. But that's the diff- that's the thing with me. I don't ever really draft two quarterbacks. I, I know that some people do if they plan on streaming and they want to get two good matchups right off the bat. But I, I, I just hate wasting a roster spot on a second quarterback on my bench. Are you? I agree. And worst case scenario, you just drop, you know, your eighth running back and you pick up Joe Flacco for one week and he throws 45 passes and you probably get 15 points. For sure. And that, I mean, that, like, why do you need a backup quarterback? The, the issue with streaming quarterbacks, and this is this is like an elephant in the room that nobody has talked about. And I don't know why, because, you know, the evolution of the game of fantasy football is turned into late round quarterback. You know, JJ's effect on the industry has been massive. You know, a lot of people now go with that late round approach. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about it, all these quarterbacks that you can get later in the round. So here's my issue, though, Bobby. Nobody really talks about if you want to stream quarterbacks off the waiver wire and you want to piece together this Frankenstein of a quarterback. What if you play in a league where there's a bunch of guys that that rock two quarterbacks in their roster? You're in a 12 team league and all of a sudden 24 quarterbacks are off the you know, they're on someone's team and you're left choosing between Jared Goff, Cody Kessler, Josh McCown, guys like that. Like what how does your approach change at that point if you plan on streaming, but you know your league holds on to two quarterbacks? You just admit that you uh, that you missed the boat on that one, and you know you question your league mate's sanity for every single one of them having two quarterbacks. But you just have to do what you have to do. You go make a trade, or you um, you know your roster's beefed up everywhere else, and you just suffer with uh, with starting Ryan Tannehill. And it's really not the end of the world because he's still going to average fourteen points per game. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. If you were to pair, like if you know your leagues like that, me personally, I wouldn't stream quarterbacks. That's for sure. Uh, I would grab Ty- Tyrod Taylor and I would pair him with someone like Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, uh, Sounds or, beautiful. or even Ryan Tannehill. I, I think that Tannehill can go a little bit under the radar this year uh, just because yeah. people are kind of overvaluing Jay Ajayi where he's at. So is is Ryan Tannehill? Remember, Ryan Tannehill threw for a ton of yards his first three years in the league, just an absolute ton. He had a rough year last year, but the whole offensive line was hurt. He was getting better, though, because I remember getting to arguments on a podcast about Ryan Tannehill, and I'm like, wait a minute, he's not as bad as people are trying to make him out to be, because under Adam Gase, he, he started to, to come around into the quarterback that I think people were hoping he'd be as like a game manager, because I'm pulling it up now. So here were his last, we'll go last uh, five games before he got hurt. 240 and two touchdowns, 172 and two touchdowns, 285, three touchdowns, 226 and a touchdown, 195 and three touchdowns. So it's like he was throwing touchdowns. That wasn't the issue. Uh, The yardage wasn't there because the attempts were down. So maybe that's what he turns into, just a very reliable, low ceiling, but high floor quarterback. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he only played 13 games last year. He had less than 3,000 yards, but the years before that, 3,900 4,000, 4,200. He was trending upward. He's always at four plus uh, touchdown percentage. So uh, that's not bad. That being said, I'd still prefer Blake Bortles. I know you're going to puke. I'd still prefer Carson Palmer, and it's really not even close for me. I'd still prefer Joe Flacco. And I'm even intrigued by Brian Hoyer and Mike Glennon. I think Brian Hoyer has been an extremely underrated quarterback for the entirety of his career. Uh, that's You're that's right. first off. If I were to pull up his numbers over his last 16 games and compare them to someone like Eli Manning, you'd, you'd be like, wait a minute. 
Why is Brian Hoyer looked at as like a backup? He's not a backup. He's actually While Eli Manning is a potential Hall of Fame candidate. It is just stupid. You put Brian Hoyer on those same teams and they still win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm going to get some hate for that. I get some heat all the time whenever we say something negative about Eli Manning. Yeah, you know what's funny is he's the most streaky quarterback in the NFL. I, and I, I, there is no way that you can convince me otherwise. I've watched this guy when he has his hot streak and he did it on the Super Bowl runs. You know, he was playing out of his mind and I can't take that away from him. He was fantastic during those Super Bowl runs. But when you see yeah. him on a bad streak, like you want nothing to do with Eli Manning. And that's why it's pretty easy to know when to play him. You wait until he gets into one of these little zones and it may happen right from the get-go this year with the with the weapons he has in the passing game, but it's pretty clear to see when Eli Manning is is not performing what, how you'd expect him to. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, there's one other player I want to hit on here, and then I'll let you close out with some final thoughts. But Jameis Winston, we didn't really touch on him that much. He's going ADP number 12. Uh, you know, he was a, a real high pick, and everyone was really excited about him myself included last year, because he had those two fantasy playoff games against the Saints. And he was just a giant turd. I got so much heat on Twitter. Like, what are you doing telling me to trade for Jameis Winston? Then he puts up these turd numbers in the playoffs. I was wrong. The Buccaneers just went away from Jameis Winston because he just turns the ball over too much. And maybe it'll change this season. But until I see change, I'm not going to believe in him again. Yeah, over the final six games, he didn't throw the ball any more than 35 times. So it kind of tells you, you know, just a couple touchdowns too. yeah, the direction that they were kind of going. And you saw Mike Evans numbers suffer because of that. And I don't know if if that had to do with personnel. Maybe they just felt like they didn't have the weapons for Jameis. And that's why he was throwing interceptions. But we are still talking about a guy that, you know, threw for more than 4000 yards in each of his two first seasons. And, you know, he threw for 28 touchdowns last year. So, you know, naturally you want to progress him in his career because of the weapons that they've added to to the offense, you know, it definitely doesn't hurt him. He plays in a division against the Saints. You know, the Falcons have gotten better on defense, but it's just... It's trying. I understand why people want to progress him in his career. I understand why people want to progress guys like Marcus Mariota as well. But the question is, will their offenses allow them to be one of those top eight quarterbacks? Because I don't know if we can find a way to say Jameis Winston's going to throw the ball 600 times this year. And Marcus Mariota, I don't know if he's going to throw it 550 times. So you're right. It may not matter how efficient they are in terms in those terms, because they're not getting the pass attempts to kind of get there. With that being said, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jameis Winston took a huge step forward. It's just, you know, he has that kind of talent. He really does. So does Mariota. Yeah, yeah. And the last tier before before we move on here is, uh, you know, Andy Dalton, that Derek Carr we talked about a little bit, Phillip Rivers, Matt Stafford, and Eli Manning. I think those are the, the quarterbacks one, through 18 that we get to. You said you're high on Stafford. Did you say that? Oh, yeah. I'm really high on Stafford. Now, what's the case for Stafford? Because he's someone that, as the season went on last year, he really, really fell off. Same thing. Their offensive line was horrible last year. Amir Abdullah was missing. I mean, they had uh, basically a wide receiver playing running back with no offensive line. And Matthew Stafford was just forced to throw a bunch of short passes. I mean, that that kind of is who he is, too. But because their offensive line was so bad, um, you know, their defense was a lot better last year, so they didn't throw the ball as much. But we're talking about someone. I said this stat the other day on one of the podcasts. Of the top 10 seasons all time in passing yards, Kurt Warner is not on there once. Tom Brady is on there once. Aaron Rodgers is on there once. Matthew Stafford is on there twice. I mean, this is a guy still in the prime of his career. He's got some weapons in Golden Tate and Marvin Jones and Eric Ebron, who I like, Theo Riddick. Matthew Stafford, whenever you know he's going except for last season, 
he's always been a top 10 quarterback. Sometimes he's been a top four quarterback. So, you know, being drafted at number 15, I'm not buying it. He's in my top 10 right now. Wow. Uh, so those years that you talk about in terms of passing yard is those years he threw the ball 663 times and then a record 727 times. So, you know, yeah. to, to see that the 727 times, he only averaged 6.8 yards per attempt, but he almost threw for 5,000 yards because of the volume. And he only this threw- is the worst defense that they've had since that year. I would and so ar- they're going to be they're going to be throwing the ball more. I think. I think they want to run the ball more. I don't know if they have the personnel to do it. Uh, but that's my yeah. that's my problem is that the Lions they were a team that Matthew Stafford that he was being talked about as an MVP candidate for whatever reason to start the year. But over the final ten games of the season, he threw two touchdowns just three times. He threw one or zero the other seven games. So he was like a guy that couldn't score any more than it was like 16 fantasy points. There was a game in there against New Orleans where he did, but it was just he was really struggling to get anything going. And you could argue that it was the weapons. Maybe Marvin Jones wasn't living up to the hype. But now, I mean, Kenny Galladay's there, but he's a rookie. Anquan Bolden's gone. We're expecting Eric Ebron to take a step forward. But isn't it just like kind of like replacing these guys and Maybe it's just the effect of missing Calvin Johnson. Maybe it just it, it it ultimately, you know, it started out OK and people were like, wow, Matthew Stafford's better than we thought. And then all of a sudden, Matthew Stafford turned into the guy that we kind of thought he would be without Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Calvin Johnson, man, just a freak of nature. You saw what he did with Dan Ravalski. Yep. Like all these random guys. Maybe Matthew Stafford was made by Calvin Johnson. You're right. And that's the thing is like, you know, it, at the start of the year, nobody knew what to expect from the Lions offense without Calvin Johnson because, you know, they'd been with him for so long. Like, what do we expect? And, you know, we saw Stafford's attempts dip down a little bit, but it, it wasn't like extreme to the point where it would have affected his production. So to see him only throw minimal touchdowns in that time period and losing you know, the guy in the yeah. offense, Anquan Bolden, that caught all those touchdowns that, you know, it's it's hard to defend Matthew Stafford right now. And that's why for me, I have him at my number 17 quarterback right behind Derek Ooh. Carr and Phillip Rivers. Yeah, well, I love Phillip Rivers, too. Phillip Rivers is my number eight quarterback. You know, he's got all the weapons. Keenan Allen is back. He's got Melvin Gordon so that you just can't sit back in nickel and dime against him. Um, you know, he's got Mike Williams if he's healthy. And if not, he has Terrell Williams, who was really good last year, too. Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates. They've got all these guys in their offense. Their offensive line is much improved. I just love Phillip Rivers this year. He has so many weapons, and I think he's a, a real Super Bowl type of quarterback. He's just never had the weapons. I actually agree with you in terms of his actual talent. I think Philip Rivers has been underrated for a long time. Uh, he's just never been given the offensive line. I, I want to say I went over the last eight years and he's never had an offensive line that is ranked as a top 18 offensive line. So he's been playing behind a brutal offensive line. And you know what? That really hasn't changed that much. I know that they tried to revamp it a little bit this offseason, but you're relying yeah. on a couple rookies, a left tackle who is kind of underwhelming in terms of what we expected they you know I've talked about it a long time ago but it's been a while so if you're a new listener Philip Rivers is going to play the Broncos twice the Chiefs the Giants the Raiders the Patriots and the Jaguars all in the first nine games like that's the first nine games of his schedule which is why I wouldn't draft Philip Rivers because you're going to want another quarterback in order to fill those voids right and you don't want Philip Rivers just sitting on your bench only playing him for I think it's two times that you can play him in the first nine games and feel comfortable with it that being said if you want to wait 
you know, maybe start Tyrod Taylor. And then as the year goes on, you wait for someone to drop Phillip Rivers or, you know, you can trade for him dirt cheap, you know, at the halfway point, yeah. you know, his buy is in, I think, week nine, uh, week nine or week 10. You can trade for him after that and get him for essentially nothing where it should open up. And but, Bobby, I want you to ask you this. You know, you mentioned about the weapons and that's all true. You talked about Melvin Gordon. But if you're an opposing defensive coordinator, who makes you a little who makes you scared more? Philip Rivers or Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon, and that's why they're going to stack the box. No, I, I say Philip Rivers. I think that NFL defensive coordinators know how good Philip. I think they know how good Philip Rivers actually is, which is why he's blitzed. That's why their their packages. That Melvin Gordon, he does not see stacked boxes, and I, I don't think that changes. Melvin Gordon has averaged under four yards per carry in each of his first two seasons. So for me, I, I don't that's a good see. Point. I don't see You're that, right. and that's losing Mike Williams. It helps you know other wide receivers' fantasy production, but I don't think it necessarily helps uh, Philip Rivers and projecting him for some more totals. You know, I also, uh, I, I'd be upset with myself if I didn't mention, I still love Blake Bortles being drafted as quarterback number 22. He's been quarterback number four and number eight the past two fantasy seasons. He was hurt last year, guys. I know they got Leonard Fournette now, but I don't think he drops back from number nine to number 22. So I've still got him quarterback number 14, and that might be a little low for me, actually. Did you hear about uh, what the Jaguars' plan is this, this season? Uh oh. All right. So as we all know, Blake Bortles has thrown the ball an awful lot over the last two years. So coach Doug Maroney half jokingly came out and said that the ideal number of pass attempts for Bortles in each game this year is zero. He said that they want to ideally they'd like to run the ball on every single play masking Blake Bortles. And that that kind of tells me a lot. You know, I have talked about it in the fact that this what offseason a psychopath. Isn't that crazy? But, but that's what <laughs> that's I'm saying. Not good. <laughs> he, the GM Dave Caldwell guaranteed that Blake Bortles will have fewer pass attempts this season. And, you know, saying that is just kind of putting so much into it is that being that there's a new head coach in town, being there's a new GM, I already looked at this. I went through the history, uh, the last five years of coaching changes, and I found out that when a new head coach and offensive coordinator come to town, they throw the ball on average 60 fewer times. And with these quotes that we're hearing, it's easy to project Blake Bortles for a massive decline in pass attempts. That makes sense. All right, guys. Well, for those of you listening at home, that's all we have for today's show. We have three more shows coming up next week, including visits from Dan Claskins and Ray Summerlin. So make sure you don't miss those episodes. Thanks again to the sponsors of today's show, rtsports.com slash pros, Fantasy Jocks, and Pristine Auction. Please be sure to check out their sites. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.